1: Oh beloved family, so good to be with you. I say that every time with the same uh, joy and happiness because it never wanes. We have such freedom with all that's going on in our country and the world. We still have the freedom to speak the truth. Um, Not everybody is enjoying that freedom anymore, even in this country. People are being arrested here in Canada and all over the world, but um, thus far we have the freedom to speak the truth, and I think as long as we have that freedom, rather than fight evil, we need to bring good in to the darkness. We need to light a candle. We need to bring truth in. It's the only... Fighting evil is a must, but... Speaking the truth is the only thing that saves, which is why I am so grateful for the station of the cross and live site news because they don't stop, they don't compromise, they may be taken off YouTube and Facebook and whatever else it may, all kinds of persecution. They don't stop, they don't stop, and so neither do I, and that's why I'm with them. That's why you listen to these wonderful people, so uh, worthy, worthy, worthy of your support. We are listening, Uh, we're not listening, we're reading. We're reading through the Catechism Explained, and sometimes I have a struggle because LifeSite News is my number one news source. And the, yesterday, um, uh, their their uh, mailer, their daily email, was so incredibly packed with breaking news and um, utterly uh, rich um, interview. Uh, of Carlo uh, Archbishop Carlo Maria, Maria uh, Viganò and just so much so I would love to read those things to you every day but uh, the priority is our knowing our faith so that we're not struggling through that time this time but we live our faith bold boldly and with gratitude and freedom and never cease to tell it to others. You can go to lifesitenews.com and they have three editions. Click on the Catholic edition if you wish, straight Catholic news, and you can see everything I'm talking about daily. You can get a subscription to it. Um, I don't think there's any cost. Subscribe for free. But um, you can be a part of their great work and the great work of the Station of the Cross. Just go to thestationofthecross.com. dot um, I feel so rich. You know, when things are are uh, uh, getting worse and evil, you feel comforted to be in a a little remnant of the faithful that is utterly faithful, courageous, uncompromising. And as long as you stay with the Station of the Cross and LifeSite News, you're there. You are with a courageous compromising group of men and women who live to um, to warn you, to put the truth out, to strengthen you uh, in the world and in the faith. So right now, in the Catechism Explained, I don't want to go all the way back, but we are in the, th- the third section on preaching the gospel, and the point was made that through all these years, at least for the first 1,500 years, and way beyond that, um, the the gospel was spread through preaching, not through the word. 14 By the 1400s, only 5% of the world was even literate, so they couldn't read. They learned the faith through the preaching of their uh, priests and, and bishops and cardinals, and um, through beautiful art, stained glass window, all of that. And then when the... Um, Uh, Printing press came in the 1600s. It coordinated with Martin Luther and the schism in Germany uh, that parted from the Catholic Church, and so they were able, through the printing press, to spread their heresies very, very quickly it looks like we may be coming up against another schism within the Catholic Church in Germany again. So just focus on the truth, beloved. You can watch all the news. You can, you can keep up to date. But don't be a news addict. Be a faith addict. Read the scriptures. Read the catechism. So we're doing that together now. And we're up to the part. I back up just a couple of sentences that says a truth which the Church puts before us, as revealed by God, is called a truth of the faith or a dogma. Uh, D-O-G-M-A. I'm spelling it because I'm from Brooklyn, and it probably sounds like D-A-W-G-A, dogma. <laughs> but it's a dogma of the faith. Either a universal counsel, um, Let's see, that is one consisting of the bishops of the whole world acting under the authority of the Pope or the Pope himself has power to declare a truth to be revealed by God. Thus, for example, the Council of Nicaea declared the divinity of our Lord to be an article of faith. You must believe that. If you don't believe that Christ is God, you're not Catholic no matter what, just you call yourself, then you're not Catholic and you're not even a Christian. Um, and Pope Pius XI declared the Immaculate Conception of the Holy Mother of God in 1854. That is, de fide, that is an article of faith that must, must, must be believed. And so um, uh, it, the article says when a child advances in its knowledge of religious truth, It does not really change its belief. So the church, the collected body of all the faithful, receives dogmas new to it when on the appearance of some new form of error, it says forth, after careful examination, certain truths of religion in explicit form and imposes their acceptance on all the faithful. Before the definition of it by the Church, it was only a pious opinion or one proximate to f- faith. And here, when the Council of Trent was written following the Reformation to set forth what is believed, and that if anyone does not believe what the Catholic Church says must be believed, then they need, then. Uh, The Council of Trent says, let them be anathema. Then they're cursed. Then they're outside of the church, outside of the only means of salvation God has set. And here they give the doctrine of the assumption of our Blessed Mother, which is now a holy day of obligation, August 15th, was not set forth as a, uh, it was a pious opinion, so to speak. Everyone always believed Our Lady was assumed into heaven. But it was not set forth as a dogma, as an article that must be uh, believed. Those articles, like the Apostles' Creed, this is I'm speaking, not not reading, um, are set forth because the Apostles needed to lay down certain things that Christians, and they were only Catholics then, nothing else, must believe to say you're a follower of the Christ. These are the things you must believe. And it's the Apostles' Creed, and so by 1950 there were questions on the Assumption of Our Lady, and so the Church set down um, that as a dogma: um, the Assumption of the Body of Our Lady into Heaven. And you must believe it now, but it doesn't mean that it was nothing is new under the sun. It's not a new article of faith. There is no more revelation after the last apostle. The Catholic Church has always taught that. It is not a new article of faith. It is um, an article that's been declared to be believed for 2,000 years, but now it's a dogma that must be believed just as purgatory and the death and resurrection of our Lord must be believed to be in the Catholic Church. Now, another point, the Catholic Church derives from Holy Scripture and from tradition, the truths that God has revealed, not just in writing, says St. Paul, but by oral tradition, capital T, not the tradition of men, the tradition of God. We are repeating just a little bit from yesterday. Holy Scripture and tradition are of equal authority and claim from us equal respect. They both come from God through men. Both come from God through men whom God has inspired to write and to speak his infallible truth. Now I'm reading again. Holy Scripture is the written tradition, the unwritten... um, Hold on. Holy Scripture is the written tradition is the unwritten word of God. St. Paul exhorts the faithful to hold fast the traditions they've received, whether be by word of mouth or by writing. That's Second 2 Thessalonians 2.14, and I would go to 15 as well. And then the next section, 4, of the Catechism of Trent is on Holy Scripture and Tradition. The first point is Holy Scripture, or the Bible, same thing, consists of 72 books 72, not 66, as I learned as a Protestant. 72 books which were written by men, inspired by God, and under the guidance and influence of the Holy Spirit. That is what Peter wrote. These 72 books are recognized by the Church as the very Word of God. The Holy Spirit inspired, in a very special way, the writers of Holy Scripture... He moved them to write and guided and enlightened them while they were writing. We have a few uh, scripture here, um, 2 Timothy 3.16, I know it all by heart from all my evangelical years, Matthew 15.3, Mark 12.36. Um, There's the music for our first break, beloved. We'll continue this when we come back. And then at the second break, at the half hour mark, we will go to your your calls, your text, your questions. Um, And if you'd like to call in in advance, the toll free number is 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back.
2: Casts of our network-produced shows are free for your listening pleasure at thestationofthecross.com and on our free iCatholic Radio app for Android and Apple mobile devices. Be uplifted in your faith and inspired to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on our iCatholic Radio mobile app.
0: Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by Site News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com
1: Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We're right in the middle of uh, the Council of um, Trent uh, explained it's a huge book, and it is um, edited and uh, not edited, but because um, the full Council of Trent um, commented by Reverend Francis Barrago with a beautiful forward by Father Chad Ripiger. It is it is the faith once delivered to the saints, and it was written following the schism of the Reformation in the 1500s. Um, This is The Faith, Beloved, and uh, I've said many times our current catechism is fine if you read it through. It's a devotional book. It's very good. But Trent, uh, this particular book, The Catechism Explained, um, is a beautiful explanation of the faith and includes things that um, the new catechism following Vatican II um, did not make so clear or may have eliminated altogether altogether um what is to be believed is in the new catechism it's not a problem you you certainly can read that um i'm going to continue here we're talking about scripture and tradition uh, both from god again not the tradition of man but the tradition god has given both from god um not from man uh, the Council of Trent and the Vatican Council, and that would be uh, Vatican Council One, have expressly declared that God is the author of Holy Scripture. St. Augustine says, it is as if the Gospels were written down with Christ's own hand. Um, one of the words I learned in, in Protestant seminary was that God uh, superintended the writers of Scripture. So it would be as if... Um, uh, God dictated what he wanted to write, but without um, violating, in a sense, the personality of the writer. But he made sure that what was written was exactly what he, the truth he wanted written down. Um, let me see here. The writers of holy Scripture, says St Lawrence of uh, St. Lawrence Justinian, were like a musical instrument on which the Holy Spirit played. Yet they were not mere pa- they were not mere passive instruments. Each writer brings his own personal character with him into what he writes. They are like a number of painters who all paint a building which they see in the clear daylight quite correctly but yet with a great many points of difference, according to their respective talent and skill. Hence it follows that there are no errors in Scripture. We must not look to the individual words, but to the general sense. We must not take offense at popular expressions which are not scientifically correct, as when the motion of the sun, sunrise and sunset, are alluded to. You know, we we say, what a beautiful sunrise, what a beautiful sunset, uh, but the sun doesn't rise and it doesn't set. It, we could say it's a glorious earth revolving, we could do that, but we use words that are not always scientifically exact to describe what we, what comes to us. Moreover, since the Bible contains the Word of God, we must treat it with reverence, great reverence. Thus, the people always stand up when the Gospel is being read at Mass. Oaths are taken on the Book of the Gospels. In Mass, the deacon approaches the Book of the Gospels with incense and lights. The Council of Trent imposes special penalties on those who mock At Holy Scripture, the Jews had the greatest reverence for the scriptures and the precepts therein contained the 72 books of Holy Scripture. And if you're Protestant and you're listening and you're saying, no, there are not 77 uh, books, um, you need to get a hold of a Catholic Bible and read um, how we got the Bible by I think it's uh, Henry Graham. Read, go to Catholic.com, go to their shop, and look at uh, the books on how we got the Bible and how Luther, almost single handedly at the Reformation, uh, eliminated those books so that when I was Protestant, I was told the Catholic Church added those scriptures. On the contrary, uh, Martin Luther took them out. And so if you are Protestant, you are missing seven plus fabulous books of Scripture, written by God through men. The 72 books of Holy Holy Scripture are divided into 45 books of the Old Testament, and the Protestant would say 39. It's not. It's 45 books of the Old Testament and 27 of the New. They are, moreover, divided into doctrinal, historical, and prophetical books. The Old Testament historical books compromise... First, the five books of Moses, which contain the early history of man, the lives of the patriarchs, and the history of the Jewish people up to the time of their entrance into the Holy Land. The books of Joshua and Judges, which relate their conquest of Palestine and their struggles with surrounding nations. The four books of Kings, which recount their history under their kings, and since uh, since that time, the four books of kings um, uh, have been divided into um, um, first and second Samuel and first and second kings, the book of Tobias, which gives an account of the life of Tobias and his son during the captivity. The five books, rather not five, the books of the Maccabees, which relate the oppression of the Jews under Antiochus, etc. The doctrinal books comprise the story of Job, the Psalms of David, the Proverbs of Solomon, and the books of Ecclesiasticus, Wisdom, and um, Ecclesiastes. So there's an Ecclesiastes and Ecclesiasticus. The prophetical books comprise the four greater prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel, and the 12 lesser prophets, jonah Habakkuk, etc. And I learned one day that the reason for the description of the greater and the lesser is simply the size of the books. That's it. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel are simply larger, longer books than the lesser prophets, than the smaller books. On the New Testament end, the historical books are the four Gospels and the Acts of the Apostles. So, um, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts are the historical books. Acts was written by Luke and is the history of the early church. The doctrinal books are the 21 epistles, including 14 of St. Paul's epistles. The prophetical book is the Apocalypse of St. John called also Revelation, which tells in obscure language the future destinies of the Church. Most of the books of the Old Testament were originally written... um, Hold on now. Um, Most of the books of the Old Testament were originally written in Hebrew. Most of the New Testament in Greek. The Latin translation of the Bible, called the Vulgate, is an amended version of the translation made by St. Jerome about the year 400 A.D. The Vulgate is declared by the Council of Trent to be an authentic rendering of the original. The most important books of Holy Scripture are the Four Gospels and the Acts of the Apostles. The four evangelists relate the life and teaching of our Lord. What could be more important than that, beloved? And many people say, well, I've only read parts of the Bible. But if that's the case, sit down and read the four Gospels followed by the book of Acts. Do that. You can read that. You can do that. The four evangelists relate the life and teaching of our Lord. The Acts of the Apostles recount the labors of St. Peter and St. Paul. The writers of the four Gospels are called for evangelists. Two of them, St. Matthew and St. John, were apostles. St. Mark was a companion of St. Peter, and St. Luke, a companion of St. Paul, on his apostolic journeys. St. Matthew's Gospel was originally written in Hebrew for the benefit of the Jews of Palestine. He shows how Jesus of Nazareth, Fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament and proved himself to be the true Messiah, beloved. If you're Jewish or you have Jewish friends or family, give them um, give them the Book of Matthew. Give them Matthew to read. Um, I know of a number of people, Jews, who were reading um, who uh, in in uh, as English studies in university. The Bible was one of the books used, and they read Matthew, and they couldn't believe it that it traced uh, the Messiah from Abraham to Jesus. The, and they, they, the lives were converted. St. Mark wrote for the Christians of Rome, and he shows Christ um, to be the Son of God. He's the Son of God, and He's God the Son. He's God. St. Luke wrote for a distinguished citizen of Rome named Theophilus in order to instruct him in the life and doctrine of Christ. We owe to St. Luke many details about Our Lady and many parables not given by the other evangelists. St. John wrote his gospel in his old age to prove against the heretics of his time that Jesus Christ is truly God. He quotes chiefly those sayings of Christ from which his divinity is most clearly proved. The Gospels were probably written in the order in which they stand. St. Matthew wrote about A.D. 40, Mark and Luke about 25 years later, and St. John about A.D. 90. Remember, he had been exiled to the Isle of um, Patmos. The four Gospels were collected into one volume, in the second century it can be proved from internal evidence that the gospels were written by disciples of christ and narrate what is true we can also prove from the oldest copies from translations and from quotations that no change has been made in them since they were first written beloved is astounding there are no other books in the world that, um, that we have original copies of to this day uh, that, were, that are this day as they were first written. It's miraculous. It's because it's the Word of God, and God knows how to preserve His Word for every generation. The Gospels are therefore genuine, worthy of belief, and they are incorrupt. Uh, I'll just make a little aside here. There are many so-called modern scholars that have done away with the miracles of the Bible. They are neither modern or scholars. Um, If you do away with the miracles of the Bible, you do away with God and you make it a man-made book. Absolutely not. Um, uh, The Gospels are, every word is worthy of belief and incorrupt. Okay, dear ones, there's the music for our second break. And when we come back, we'll have the whole half hour to ourselves. Call in toll-free with anything at all on your heart, one 511 5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back.
2: the cares and anxieties of life are weighing you down, come to the St. Thomas More House of Prayer and allow the Lord to refresh your soul. The St. Thomas More House of Prayer is a Catholic retreat center devoted to praying and promoting the liturgy of the hours. You'll find a tranquil atmosphere that's ideal for deep prayer, whether as an individual or for a group retreat. We're located at 365 Hill City Road in Cranberry, Pennsylvania. Make your reservation today or learn more at liturgyofthehours.org. You can also call us at 814-676-1910. That's 814-676-1910. We would love to help you experience the Liturgy of the Hours and discover the prayer that will change your life.
1: Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm thrilled to be with you. This is our half hour together, and you are invited and welcome to call in with anything on your heart. Toll free 1 877 511 5483 or email at mother at the of the cross.com. Our fund, um, the life a fundraiser from Life Site News, um, is no longer. Um, uh, alive, um, I bless all of you who have contributed to it, and um, uh, we had one unbelievable um, a gift yesterday from someone who wanted to make up the difference, who did make up the difference, and um, it, it, God is is just too wonderful, just too wonderful. So we close on the house tomorrow, and we will be able to do it 100%. There's no way to thank God enough. There's just no way to thank God enough. And when I thank God, I thank him for the 700 plus of you who donated to that. I know there are people that still wish to donate. We've we've had those words. And so just from now on, if it has to do with our new home in Beloit and all the construction that we'll need to do as well, Um, just go to our website, www.motherofisraelshope.org, and click on the Donate button. And you can click on the newsletter button so you can subscribe uh, and get our newsletters, if you wish, as well. Um, Okay, one other brief announcement. Um, We've had uh, a few very wonderful responses uh, to... um, my invitation of the women will probably move into the house uh, at this point, the end of August, if all goes as we plan. And um, we have a mixture of ages, 18 to 118. Um, we have many, many, many women um, over the age of 50 who have uh, inquired and applied and. Um, Uh, Several of them will be entering, but now we want to to balance. So we have seven openings for women, and we have four women coming next month to discern, but uh, it's a discernment stage. We still don't know that they'll enter. So we have seven openings for women, 18 to 28. And four openings for women, twenty-nine to forty. And if you wish to inquire, just go to our website, click on contact, and it'll give you the contact information, our address here in Beloit, and um, uh, the email address, vocation inquiry at org. Just send us an email with a just a little bit about yourself. Are you working? Are you in school? Uh, Just a little bit about yourself, your age, your address, your phone number. And I think that's it. And then I'll be in touch with you. Okay. God bless you. We're going to take now, I think we have an email from, oh, we have a call from Rose in Buffalo. Hi, Rose.
4: Hi, Mother. Oh, I'm so glad to talk to you. Uh, I listen to you all the time, and I every time you do a show on something, and I'm like, oh, I want to call her because I just love everything that you talk about. You're oh, like, I read about you to everyone I talk to.
1: Blessed so. be God, Rose. That means your heart wants God alone and above all things. That's wonderful.
4: Oh, of course. And I just i'm really struggling i'm i'm a parent um i have three little kids my oldest is going to be five my others are three and one wow. and i'm i'm really just struggling right now with everything that's happening especially in the schools mm-hmm. um with everything with the masks and all of that i mean for a while we've been fighting i guess like just like you know in silent protest, I guess, like not masking our children. I haven't masked my children since the beginning, but unfortunately my oldest is in preschool and she owns a private preschool and she asked that he masks. And, you know, I just, I guess I just, I don't know how, number one, how we can fight because I feel like the time is That's easy. That's easy.
1: Mm -hmm. It is a time to fight. Go ahead.
4: Yeah. Oh, that's okay. And, um, And also like how can I resolve myself to I don't know how to describe it like how can I resolve myself to like this is how I feel like I'm just gonna be fighting forever I guess like I just feel like I'm always going to be fighting and I I come to the realization that I guess I've been born in this time because I am a fighter by nature so I am able to advocate for my children but I just I just feel like we're just so unheard, and I feel so let down by the USCCB and even just the bishops locally in my parish, my diocese, and all around. And I just don't know, like, how, other than prayer, which we've been doing, like, I just don't, how do I resolve myself to living like this, I guess?
1: Well, you resolve yourself, my dear sister, to living like this by being confident of God's providence. Nothing touches us that God doesn't allow, God has given us, in one sense, a great privilege to be living in this day of such evil that we have been filled with the truth by grace, that we know Him, that we are His children. Do you have a husband at home also?
4: Oh, yes, ma'am. He's, I'm a stay-at-home mom, and we hope to have more someday.
1: Okay. (laughs) Beautiful, Rose. Here's my point. More than needing to fight, you need to simply live your vocation as a mother, as a wife and as a mother. And here's what I mean by that. You say you have no problem advocating for your children, but that's not the case because your little one is made to wear a mask in preschool. You can't advocate for him because evil has won in that case. Let me ask you this. Since that little, it's a boy, is a son that's five?
4: My son, yes. His name is Gabriel. Mm -hmm. Oh,
1: what a great name. Since Gabriel was in your womb, since Gabriel was in your womb, you have homeschooled him. For all the months that he was growing in your womb until he made his debut in the world, you homeschooled him. He was born... You diapered him, you, you sang to him, you loved him, you taught him to walk, you taught him to talk, you taught him how to hold a fork, you, you, everything. You told him who Jesus was. You've been homeschooling him all this time. Why now, when he's five, did you turn him over to the world, to the preschool? That's a very important. Know. I'm not reprimanding. <laughs> I'm asking you that question. A serious answer.
4: Well, my serious answer is that at this point in his life, he did enjoy going to preschool. I guess when he was three, he started because we thought that it would be good for his speech. And now that he's four, he just really enjoys going. So that's why. And we also chose to send him to a traditional Catholic school in the fall. And my husband is against homeschooling. So I've been praying that he is more open to it. I would prefer to homeschool to be completely honest with you, Mother. Oh, this is awful.
1: Is your husband Catholic? He
4: is. He is Catholic. He was raised Catholic, but not as strong in his faith as I am. Right, right. And um, I I've tried to explain to him how he, he is completely against public school, which we had agreed with because we don't like the indoctrination in public school. And this Catholic school that we are going to send him to by all outward appearances seems to be very Catholic, I suppose. And well that you don't you dare talk to me. I know.
1: <laughs> don't I you heard dare say I know
4: what you say. <laughs> no,
1: Rose, don't you dare send your children to a school that at least outwardly is Catholic. Most schools that are out, many, if not most, who are outwardly Catholic will destroy your children. If they're not inwardly Catholic, if the teachers are not truly Catholic, um, what would be if you said to your husband, honey, um, I, I need to have my children home. I'm the mother. God made me the mother. He made you the father. You are the head of the house. But I beg you to hear my heart as a mother. Let me homeschool our children. And if they fall behind in grades, if their speech isn't what they need it to be, if all of that... Then we can talk about something else. But I beg you to allow me to homeschool. That is God's design. It was never God's design that we give our children over to the world, even over to other Catholic teachers of families. That's not God, that we are abandoning our vocation and our children. We have no right to take the child God has given us and put him in a school where he has to be masked all day. That's an abuse. It's, an, it's child abuse. I, I'm speaking as clearly as I can. I'm not exaggerating. It is child abuse. And there's no need for it. Uh, it's been proven. So, Rose, um, I would sit down with your husband when the children aren't around and in very heartfelt uh, not no criticalness no controlling spirit nothing and say to your husband honey i need you to hear me i need you to hear me on this i need i need to have the children home with me they need to be home with me even though our Gabriel enjoys preschool um it's it's an abuse on our part that we would send him someplace that he has to live in a mask it's terrible And even when he's going to go to a so-called good Catholic school, uh, all those children that go there are not Catholic. And even the ones that are are not necessarily raised in a strong Catholic home. And even if the teachers are Catholic, they may not be as Catholic as we wish to be. God has given us those children as a steward. And when we stand before God, we will never be able to complain about any school or church we will be accountable for our children, and if we are accountable to our children, I want to make sure we raise them. Education is given to parents, not to schools, even Catholic schools.
4: I agree with I you wholeheartedly, so Mother.
1: <laughs> yep, but I think you need to sit down and have a good presentation and talk to your husband, no whining, no arguing. Nothing of that sort. Get information. You don't get our newsletter, do you?
4: I don't. I would love to. How do I get it
1: again? Just go on because specifically go onto our website uh, www.motherofisraelshope.org dot hope dot org. dot org. Click on newsletter tab, a little over toward the right. And right up top, you'll be able to subscribe to our newsletter, uh, email and or regular mail, and I I suggest don't miss out on regular mail because we often include gifts and other things, books and uh, all of that there. We never mail it at least without a holy card or a CD or something. So, but the reason I'm mentioning this to you is the newsletter last fall prior to our Christmas newsletter is 100% on homeschooling. The entire newsletter is homeschooling. And you can click on that, you can print it out, you can download it, You all of that. And it all speaks about God's desire for us to homeschool the stewardship of the parents to teach their children from Pope uh, Pius XI and others. It's It's not a better choice anymore. It's the only choice. If you have... And I've got a survey in there of 22 questions from a a huge bunch of homeschooling moms uh, that answer all the objections of, of moms and fathers who are afraid to homeschool. What about if my house is a mess? What if I can't pay sufficient attention? What if I don't have enough time? What if this, what if that? It's all answered. It's all answered in there. So, Rose... I can't think of another approach for you. Forget what's going on in the world right now other than you happen to know it. Um, Your vocation is your home. Stop being an advocate for your children. Take them home and protect them and raise them in total freedom with no masks and the truth and love of God. I truly have no other answer for you, Rose. I would have had another answer for you a year ago, but no longer. No longer, it's simply too evil out there. The Station of the Cross appreciates the generosity of our supporters. We
2: are committed to keeping our donors' accounts up to date. If there have been changes made to
1: your payment information, please call us so that we can update your account. 1-877-888-6279,
2: extension 104. Or update your information online at thestationofthecross.com. Thank you for your generous support of Catholic Radio.
1: Oh, beloved this is mother miriam how would you like to wake up each morning to inspiring sermons from knowledgeable and faith-filled priests you can tune in to sermons for everyday living every day at 6 a.m eastern on the station of the cross you can listen on the StationoftheCross.com or anytime on the free iCatholic radio mobile app god bless you
2: Thank you for helping to save the culture.
0: Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSight News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com.
1: Welcome back, beloved family, to Mother Miriam Live. Oh boy, this is our last uh, segment. Um, We were speaking with Rose from Buffalo um, uh, prior to the break, and Rose, if you're still listening, my dear one, um, I'm so sorry we didn't have a chance to say goodbye, but um, uh, I know my answer was very limited and very harsh. Um. I believe it's the way it is. I believe it's the way it has to be. Um, I do believe that, Rose. And um, our times are evil. And um, when you said to me you could advocate for your children, you have no problem with that, I think you're a little deceived because if you could advocate for your children, your son would not have to wear a mask in school. So... um, i don't know what else to say to you than i have um i think it's very 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 crucial absolutely crucial so download our um, newsletter from last fall on um on homeschooling the whole thing is homeschooling and go ahead and sign up for our newsletter if you wish um call at any time Uh, you, You called with how to approach the current state of the world. And the only way to approach the current state of the world, to live our faith, as I say many, many times, as if it's true, that means you have a vocation to be a wife and mother and nothing else, and not to send your children anywhere. You and your husband must raise your children. Um, I don't know what your husband would do if you expressed all this to him. She gave him the copy of the homeschooling newsletter. Um, Maybe let him speak to some good homeschooling uh, parents from church. I don't know what. But if he realizes how serious you are and to say to him, sweetheart, I know you're the head of the family and I don't want to usurp your role, but I beg you, Let me homeschool them and take a test with public school children and see how they fare. And if our children do not uh, come up to the level of public schools or even Catholic schools, we can talk about it then. But right now, I cannot abandon my vocation of teaching our children at home. That is our vocation. There is nothing in all of Scripture that tells us to send our children to others. Now, as, while I've said that, I do know there are good Catholic schools. There are good Catholic schools. Many families have come to Beloit, Kansas, particularly because of St. John Catholic, the Baptist Catholic School. Catholic teachers through and through, just outstanding. Outstanding sports, outstanding academics, all of it. Uh, school Masses, Uh, Just beautiful. I've been in many churches um, through the years, in many cities with school masses. I've never been in one as reverent as this at St. John the Baptist Church in Beloit with all the children there. You don't hear a peep. They're reverent. They're wonderful. So um, if it's a situation like Beloit, um, a situation like the academy... I think it's St. Ambrose Academy in Madison, Wisconsin, these are exceptions within Catholic schooling. If you have a situation like that, or you have maybe a homeschool co-op where you have um, a few parents, maybe single parent, who has to work and cannot keep her children at home. And there's another mother of a family with a mother and father, and she can take your children in and teach them along with hers. This is fabulous. As Catholics, we need to come together. If we don't come together above ground, we will be together underground. Okay, we have an email from Luther who says, Mother, I've wondered if how often one goes to confession matters in terms of effectiveness. I'll simply say yes to that in general. Luther says, My understanding is that even the most serious sins, those which are mortal, are forgiven with repentance. That's true before a priest in confession if they're mortal. But how does this work for someone who rarely, if ever, goes to confession, he says. For example, let's say a person commits a murder when they're 25 years old. Despite having celebrated their first confession years earlier, this person falls away from their faith. They live their whole life without going to confession for that sin, Um, while also accumulating more sin in the meantime. And if they call themselves Catholic, they're going to commit a mortal sin every single Sunday by not being in church. Eventually, Luther says, the person realizes realizes that they are near the end-of-life stage and decides to go to confession. They go to confession and finally confess all of their sins that have accumulated over the years including the murder they committed. My question is this. Does this person still receive excuse me, equal confession? No, does this person still receive equal forgiveness in comparison to a practicing Catholic who regularly attends confession on a weekly or monthly basis? Before I read the rest of your paragraph, Luther, the answer is a resounding yes. Absolutely yes. Let's say you're a Catholic and you go to confession every single week of your life, every day of your life. Are you more forgiven than the thief on the cross who made his confession, hanging on the cross at the 11th hour, the last minute? Are you more forgiven? You are not. You are just as forgiven as the thief on the cross. The ability to go to confession more often is an enormous grace, is a gift of God, and confession uh, let, let me finish your paragraph here if a person who dies in a state of mortal sin goes to hell what happens to this individual who did technically confess but waited until the last possible minute and only did they both go to heaven they both go to heaven if they're forg- a person is even, he's not a quarter forgiven, 50% forgiven, 300% for- if You're forgiven or you're not. You're forgiven or you're not. Look at the people who put Jesus on the cross. They nailed him to the cross. The Jews uh, from whom he came and whom he came to save. And they spit on him and mocked him and uh, um, so many sins against him. And while they were spitting and mocking him, He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They're blind, they're stupid, they're ignorant. They don't know what they're doing. They didn't even confess their sins, and our Lord asked for their forgiveness. Perhaps it depends, Luther says, on whether the person was truly sorry. Well, if they're not sorry, they're not forgiven. If someone is just making a technical confession and he's not sorry, he doesn't necessarily have to have a deep Uh, sorrow that brings him to tears that's a gift of god godly sorrow and we want that but if he's truly sorry even if because he fears the pains of hell um, that's what we confess Um, not just because i fear the pains of hell because thou art worthy of all love but some go to confession before they uh, deeply love god just because they Fear the pains of hell, and they believe their sins may bring them to hell. And it's a true confession. They are confession. They are forgiven. Perhaps it depends on whether the person was truly sorry or if they simply wanted to rid themselves of the negative effects of dying in a state of sin. I'm interested in hearing your response. God wants us to come to him, dear Luther, even if it's the first time uh, in our life, even if it's on our deathbed. We are completely, completely forgiven. If you go and to, to confession every day or every week, it's a great grace. And through the penance that the priest gives you, you grow in holiness and have the privilege of making reparation for your sin. It doesn't matter how many times it matters that you go and before it's too late. There's our closing music, beloved, and we'll speak with you all tomorrow. God bless you.